The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome to First Bite, the Pride of Detroit preview podcast from prideofdetroit.com, Pride of Detroit on Twitter, Pride of Detroit on Facebook, live on twitch.tv slash Pride of Detroit. Back from the bye week, ready to go back again with more Lions content here for you as Lions get ready to play the Dallas Cowboys and grimaces all around, but... We started this podcast in a very interesting way. I am Chris Perfett, the adequate host. I am the I am the substitute teacher for this podcast. And if this sounds a little bit different from the rest of the podcast you're about to hear, it's because several things happened to reinforce my adequacy. Number one, I failed to hit record on our Zoom on our Zoom call. And number two, I had my microphone muted on Streamlabs for the first couple minutes here. So when I threw to Ryan Matthews, our senior editor and rock god of Pride of Detroit, I asked him that he knew all about substitute teachers and wheeling in VCRs and asked him what movie is on that VCR. And he answered something like this. I mean, the classic is Bill Nye the Science Guy, right? But if you, yeah, but I don't know. I, I, I have a fond, maybe not so fond memory of watching Willy Wonka, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory uh, in third grade, Gene Wilder, you know, when they're taking that boat ride, scary stuff. Speaking of scary stuff, the Lions play the Dallas Cowboys this week. To which I then replied that because I went to a Catholic high school, that I watched something more like, say, The Mission with Robert De Niro and uh, and Jeremy Irons. And then I remembered my microphone was muted on Streamlabs, so I unmuted it there. The rest of the podcast follows. I apologize. There's probably like one or two Twitch alerts that showed up, but this is the podcast fixed up the best I could. I I'm sorry adequacy strikes and i'm just i'm sorry everyone enjoy first bite jeremy's back next week there we go i was muted on twitch i apologize the adequacy has begun already and from adequacy to the dallas cowboys let's bring in our guest yes i'm sorry everyone i did it again i did it again welcome to our guest from blogging the boys rj ochoa how how are we doing uh, it's great to be with you guys. Uh, if you went to a Catholic high school, Chris, I'm surprised the, the movie wasn't, I know the Twitch audience in here, but uh, like Cider House Rules, I would have thought would have been like more apt. Um, no, it was, you know, this was for, Jesuit high school. So they, <laughs> they, they had plenty of, they, they loved being, they loved the mission for that regard. Right. They liked watching okay. um, 
who was it? I someone else was in there, and he was like a, a a Spanish fencer, and he always gets like thrown off a waterfall, hitched to a cross or something. I just like it because it was it was any Amoricone score. That's all. But uh, welcome, uh, RJ. I did RJ's podcast yesterday, the Ocho. Uh, we are bringing him on here to reprise that role. He is very excited to watch the Houston Astros tonight. I did not pick him to be an Astros fan, but then I realized he was in defense of the 2014 play of the 2014 playoffs. So that makes sense. There is a uh, level of cheating that goes between this man's veins. But uh, you know, I thought about wearing an Anthony Hitchens jersey just for this uh, this appearance here. Um, but um, but I'm, I'm I'm a big fan of you guys. Big fan of what you do on Twitch. Uh, big fan of Jeremy. Um, you know, I, I told you, Chris, we, we outright stole the Madden simulation idea. You guys have a full copyright on the video game, Madden, um, so I, I attribute the idea to you all. Um, but, uh, yeah, I make no apologies for that. That was one of the greatest days of my life. And normally, like, I know that the Cowboys are, like, the, the gold standard. Everybody kind of looks up to, you know, the Cowboys and, like, Tiffany brand and all this stuff. But normally it is this kind of, like, everybody gets their jollies against them. So it is kind of nice to be on, on this side of the table and be like, that was one of the greatest days of my life, but I'm sure it was one of the worst uh, of y'all's. So hope your days are going well. Ryan is already begging our Twitch audience not to leave. It, it just seems like what should be done. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this is a raw, this is a raw spot, but guess what? It, it's, it's fine. I don't like we're, we're, we're moving on. We're on to Dallas. Speaking of which, we have uh, big news here that's been kind of, I think it broke when we were recording yesterday, RJ, but for this podcast's sake, I think some Detroit fans would be, I don't know if they'd be pleased to know, or maybe unpleased to know, that Dak Prescott seems to be a lock to return on Sunday against the Detroit Lions. So I have one question, why are you throwing Grit Warrior uh, Cooper rushed to the Wolves like this. What has he done wrong? He has earned that spot to lose to the Detroit Lions. Um, you know, it's um, it, it. I think every Cowboys fan is is really grateful um, to Cooper Rush, a, a former Michigan man himself, by the way. Uh, Central Michigan, where, where Cooper Rush uh, attended the institution. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Um, I mean. I'll, I, I feel I really have felt badly for Cooper this week just because everybody saw the Cowboys lose to the Eagles because it was on Sunday Night Football and, and he threw three interceptions. He obviously had not thrown a single one um, this season. And so it, it's unfortunate that his his tenure is kind of going out with a whimper. But but he really has been the hero that this franchise needed. I don't, I don't know exactly what tabs y'all been keeping on Dallas, but um, the offseason was very questionable. I, I think the headlining things were, were trading away Amari Cooper and, and cutting Lyle Collins. They they really did so little to replenish those important positions. And, and all of those things kind of reared their ugly head in, in the first game of the season, which was also on Sunday Night Football. Everybody saw all these issues and then Dak Prescott got hurt. So you kind of thought like, man, this team is just all sorts of broken. And so um, I don't know that Cooper Rush individually saved the Cowboys, but he did enough to drive the bus. Um, sort of Sandra Bullock and speed type of thing. Like not, not the best like driver in the world, but enough, you know, so that nothing terrible happens. Nothing exploded. Um, right. But Dak is Keanu and that's really where we're at here. And um, I mean, it's my assertion that Dak Prescott is a, you know, a top 10 quarterback in the NFL. I don't know where you'd, you'd have him, you know, eight, nine, fifth, whatever, but um, he, he, it's, it's a welcome return. And, and, it's been over a year since he looked the part, to be quite honest with you. Um, the Cowboys went to New England and beat the Patriots on October 17th last year. Uh, people might have seen that game. It was a big, uh, big audience as well. Dak threw the game winner to CeeDee Lamb. He suffered the calf injury. 
um, missed the next game after their bye, which Cooper Rush did start. Uh, shout out, you know, to him. Beat the Minnesota Vikings. Helped you all out. Um, and and Dak Prescott and the offense were really never the same over the second half of last season. And so the first game of this year kind of lined up with that. So there are a lot of questions as to what quarterback exactly is going to show up on Sunday afternoon. Yeah, and and I think. Uh, RJ, one of the other interesting wrinkles, and I, I guess this just popped into my mind when you were talking about the Cowboys had a lot of people exit stage left and they didn't bring in a whole lot to replenish. A lot of that had to do with probably Ezekiel Elliott's big contract too, right? I mean, the, there, there's a there's a situation over in Dallas where they have the guy who they really want, I think, to be to be taking over the reins at the running back position and Tony Pollard. So um, give Lions fans a little bit of an idea of how the Cowboys deploy both those guys when you have, you know, somebody who's, you know, making you know, an obscene amount of money in, in Ezekiel Elliott, but they really have a guy who they want to be getting the rock a lot more in Tony Pollard. Uh, yeah, the good news is the Cowboys, you know, spent the fourth overall pick on a running back and, and to your point, doubled down on that with a $90 million contract um, when he held out. So so good job them, um, you know, real forward thinking front office over here. Um, I, I think, you know, this this is a, a point of, of serious consternation for a lot of Cowboys fans. Uh, and it generally turns into Zeke is amazing or Zeke is trash. And those are kind of the camps fighting one another. And, and the truth is obviously, you know, somewhere in the middle of that. Um, Zeke is a fine player. Um, who, who can certainly help the Cowboys in, in certain ways. But, you know, the most explosive running back on the team, to your point, is is Tony Pollard. And, and that's been the case for a long time. This is the final year of Tony Pollard's rookie contract. And at the end of this year, the guaranteed money on Zeke Elliott's contract dries up. So uh, it's a lot of people's expectation, mine included, that, that there'll be an entirely new backfield with this team next year. But, you know, that's obviously a next year problem. Um, you know, the Cowboys have said for three years, you know, hey, we're going to divvy up this workload a lot more. Uh, Tony Pollard's going to be involved. It's kind of been the, the training camp party line, but um, seasons come and seasons go and nothing really ever changes. Last year, the Cowboys beat the Carolina Panthers in week four and Zeke Elliott partially tore his PCL in that game. So, I mean, when healthy, Tony Pollard is the more explosive player, yet the Cowboys continue to, to feed Zeke. That's, you know, a lot of people think the Cowboys care about making money above all things. And, and I don't know that I buy that, but, but I know that they don't not care about making money. Um, and Zeke is, is the face of, of this generation, right? A lot of people know about uh, the Cowboys training facility, the star in Frisco. I mean, Zeke Elliott was drafted, Dak Prescott too, for that matter, as the Cowboys transition. I mean, this, this generation of this team and this franchise um, really kind of has him on, on the face uh, of the book or the cover of the book, so to speak. And so now I, I think that they have finally kind of, you know, wised up to that. I mean, I know you are both probably incredibly fond of Mike McCarthy, um, he really has brought um, some new age thought processes to this team. And it does feel like things changed a little bit. The tide turned a little bit um, when he arrived in Dallas. And so, um, I mean, it, it isn't I don't know that there's like a black and white way in terms of how they use them both. But but they have used them both, which is, is more than they've done in the past to this point of the season. Um, now, what I will say and something I'm anxious to see is, is a big talking point that the Cowboys had throughout camp was was that Tony Potter was going to be used out of the slot and that he was learning a route tree and all sorts of stuff like that. And we haven't seen that to date. Uh, but, you know, my own assumption, you know, behind that is that, well, Dak Prescott was gone. And so your offense is, is far more limited with Cooper Rush in there. Uh, sorry, Chris, uh, I know that that, that bums you out. But um, so, you know, this might be the debut of Tony Pollard being utilized in some ways that we didn't exactly get to see in the season opener that we would have seen in the weeks after. 
that makes me happy since I have Tony Pollard in fantasy. I can say that because Jeremy's not here. Um, I, I'm glad you brought up Mike McCarthy. I think he gets a little fairly maligned, but granted, we were also probably rewriting the book a little bit about what's happening with the Green Bay Packers. But I, I've been fascinated during this season because I feel like one of the more interesting coaching kerfuffles that has happened has been these press conferences where Mike McCarthy calls it, keeps calling out another former friend of Detroit, the, his offensive coordinator now, Kellen Moore, who I think early in the season he kind of said Kellen Moore was being too aggressive in a few places, and he's, he's, he's given some praise now, but it's clear that there seems to be something going on there. And I, I, guess, I guess my question is, looking at the Cowboys' offense and what we know about them, what's the source of that, of that conflict? Is it still in play? Have they changed anything dramatically versus the start of the year where they lost to the Buccaneers and were struggling with the Bengals? Or, or is, it still, is it still kind of clashing heads over offensive philosophies between McCarthy and Moore? And how does that affect the game plan? You know, you're, you're really catching the Cowboys at a unique time because it's, it's so difficult to know. I mean, we really kind of haven't seen their offensive game plan, at least their, their intended offensive game plan. Right. right? Because Dax, even, Dax, even, yeah. <laughs> right. And, and even to that point, though, in week one, the Cowboys were down Michael Gallup, who was, was still coming back from his torn ACL. Now he's back in the fold. So, you know, theoretically speaking, on Sunday afternoon, this is the, the actual intended offense from a skill position standpoint that they drew up over the offseason. And so, um, you know, this is Kellen Moore's fourth year as the Cowboys offensive coordinator. He obviously survived the turnover at head coach um, from Jason Garrett to Mike McCarthy. And, and there's obviously been insane peaks. I'm, I'm sure you guys have, have kept tabs on that. Um, but there's also been some, some pretty low valleys. I mean, I mentioned the second half of, of last season, and, and I, would, I would put a lot of that on Kellen Moore. Um, I don't know if you recall, the Cowboys went to New Orleans on a Thursday night game last December, and Mike McCarthy was actually on the COVID list. And so he couldn't obviously make the trip and, and couldn't coach in that game. And, you know, I said at the time that that was a really, you know, you, you've both seen that Kellen Moore has been connected to head coaching opportunities. That would have been a really big moment, I thought, if Kellen's offense had really shined without McCarthy in the building. Uh, but it floundered and it was it was kind of flat and it was a, a big Dan Quinn game. Dan actually served as, as the interim head coach that night. And um, so Kellen has kind of shrunk in, in those moments. Um, and, you know, I, I do think it's funny that you asked this question this week because, you know, I think a big reason people hate McCarthy or think he's, he's this oaf or he, he's just dumb at everything that he does is because he lost a PR battle to Aaron Rodgers, right? Like Aaron said McCarthy sucks, so everybody believes that, right? No, no other truth can possibly ring through because Aaron Rodgers decided that McCarthy's terrible. But what were Aaron Rodgers' comments this, this past week after they lost to the Jets, right? We got to simplify the offense. And so I can tell you when McCarthy said what he did, which you mentioned about Kellen Moore a few weeks ago, people took that as like this, this criticism, right? Like, oh, McCarthy's dissatisfied. But, but Aaron Rodgers says that it's like, you know what? He's right. Like we got, we really got to, you know, dilute this thing and water it down. Um, you know, I, I'm not trying to appeal to you guys, but I, I really hate Aaron Rodgers too is, is the point. Uh, it's uh, partly um, because of what happened after Anthony Hitchens did not commit pass interference. But anyway, um, I mean, I, I think too. that... <laughs> McCarthy is is a really um he, he's he's such a manager. I mean, he really does leave the offense up to Kellen Moore in terms of play calling and things like that. Obviously, he's he's made his mark in the NFL on the offensive side of the ball. Um but but I do think that the Cowboys have really simplified things and I think that that's what people are hopeful continues even, you know, with the change back to Dak Prescott and and the Cowboys have have sort of relied on Dak to play some hero ball, some sort of, you know, OG, Matt Stafford, Calvin Johnson, please go throw 500 yards and, and just throw us into this game. 
and, and sure, that can win in the NFL, but it isn't sustainable. It isn't viable. And so I think that they kind of learned their lesson. I think that their hand was forced and they realized. And, and I do think that they thought about this over the offseason. That's why they traded away Amari Cooper and didn't replace him with, with a big time name because they recognized our defense is, is kind of our, our bread and butter here. And, and we can ride that. And not that we're going to play defense and, and just run the ball. But I mean, you know, you, you don't have to have Dak Prescott throw it 50 times a game. And so I do think that they'll certainly lean that direction, at least at the beginning of, of Dak's return, what with, you know, them wanting to kind of bring him in softly. But um, I'm fascinated to see if their offensive disposition has changed as a result of seeing the successes over the last weeks. And, just, just, and, for, and for, just for the people at home, by the way, mm-hmm. uh, we are going to censor any reference to uh, the name that RJ keeps bringing up on the podcast form. I'm just going to Aaron Rodgers, right. Yeah. No, not that Couldn't one, the other one, but yes. <laughs> Uh, go on, go on, Ryan. Yeah, so for so long, RJ, I think a lot of people associated the Dallas Cowboys and their success on offense with what they had up front. And I think, especially this year, that's kind of ringing true with what you just said about, you know, keeping things simple on the on the ground. And, you know, the Cowboys, according to, you know, various metrics, you know, um, I think DVOA in terms of their their rush offense, their, their sixth in, in uh, the NFL. You go over to ESPN, their team run block win rate. Um, They're ninth. So, I mean, they're clearly having success there, but you look at when they're trying to pass the ball and I don't know how much of this is Cooper rush, but like pass block win rate, 32%. Um, You know, one of the lower uh, bottom, bottom half of the league in terms of uh, pass offense in DVOA. So like, do you think that Dax return? Do you, do you think they really kind of ease him in Um, not, not treating the lions too softly, but kind of going into a game plan with, let's establish the game and let's get that comfortable. I mean, I don't know how you would approach it any other way. I mean, just to be frank and straight up. And, and I do think that, a, and again, it's so unfortunate, right? Cause Cooper has done something really incredible, but it's unfortunate to be like, well, they're going to be awesome. Cause Cooper sucked, right? Like I just, I feel so terrible um, kind of having those conversations this week. Um, you mentioned DVOA, like overall the Cowboys rank fourth in terms of just general team DVOA this week. They rank yeah. sixth defensively, but 17th offensively. I mean, like, you know, that's like, you know, that's kind of reaching a little bit in my mind. I was a little bit puzzled by that. And so you're talking about a bottom half offense. And I do think all that is limited by, you know, what Cooper Rush is, is unfortunately not able to do and, and not able to accomplish. But, you know, where I think Dak Prescott has had um, his highest levels of success have been when, when, when opposing defenses have blitzed him. We saw that a lot through the first half of last season. I mean, because he's so, so quick at processing. He can get the ball out so fast. And it was it was when teams backed off late last season that, that, you know, things got a little bit haywire for him. And so in that sense, you know, I don't know that you can count on the Lions or anybody, you know, blitzing you kind of throughout a given game. But I do think the Cowboys have learned to just kind of, you know, not not set up the play action or set up the pass or things like that with the run game. But I do think that they're unafraid now to, to lean into it and, and to un, you know understand that it is a weapon that they can use at their disposal because – with Dak Prescott back, the deep ball is all of a sudden something that, that you can utilize in full force. Michael Gallup and Dak Prescott have an incredible level of chemistry in terms of deep ball connections. And so, again, Gallup being back, I think, is valuable in that sense. And, you know, even the underneath stuff, we, we ha- that's the kind of stuff. I mean, this it's just been constant checkdowns and, and little dump offs and screen passes uh, with Cooper Rush. And, and, you know, you mentioned fantasy, Chris. I don't know if anybody has Dalton Schultz, but he's he's been pretty quiet, right? He's had a bunch of goose eggs and, and he's been hurt. That's been part of the problem. But he is such a, an important weapon in the offense when Dak Prescott's involved because of Dak Prescott's quick processing skills. And so I think those things open themselves up. And I, I don't think the Cowboys are, are looking to force anything. And that's that's where it does feel like things are a little bit different. I mean, I think they got a little bit swept up in the we're the number one offense in the NFL last year and, and really wanted to kind of prove that week in and week out. 
And I think, you know, they've been humbled a lot, uh, certainly the way last year's playoffs went. And, and this, you know, these first six weeks were humbling in their own right. Uh, a lot of people kind of checking out on them and they've, they've earned some benefit of the doubt back. But um, I don't think it's worth abandoning what they've, you know, kind of learned to be their philosophy throughout the process. It's funny you mentioned the, uh, the, the blitzing and Dak honestly doing better when he is blitzed because I just I know Ryan from the Lions side Dan Campbell was at the uh, podium here today and talking about the adjustments that they uh, were making on defense and Aaron Glenn defensive coordinator saying he feels good about the adjustments it seems more about putting the right the right personnel in the right places and talking more about that but we've kind of seen in the past Lions getting burned especially in the Seattle game where Aaron Glenn would be way too aggressive so I think this will be a good test to see if Aaron Glenn has dialed that back, but at the same time, like, still need to figure yeah. out the pass coverage. <laughs> right. There should have been sirens that went off when RJ was like, oh, yeah, Dak does a little bit better when he's feeling the pressure from a blitz because that has been the only way the Lions have been able to generate pressure as a defense. Yeah, zero so, blitzes, hell. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I wish I could say that that upset me, but that's, you know, that's when Dak really is, is operating at just an incredible level. Um, and And a lot of that, I think, was due to the fact that Amari Cooper, I mean, Amari is one of the best route runners in the NFL, which is why, you know, we lamented so much when the Cowboys traded him. But um, because Amari's so so great at generating quick separation, that that is something that works, obviously, to your benefit if you're the Cowboys. But so is Michael Gallup. And he's, you know, got a little bit more, you know, uh, uh, you know his feet are a little bit more wet, so to speak. Um, you know, he it's, 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 it's a difficult thing to come back from a torn ACL. But I do anticipate if, if Aaron Glenn and, and Dan Campbell or I love Aaron Glenn, by the way, not just former Cowboy, but former Titan Texas Aggie. Um, you know, if they're a little too anxious, a little too desperate, I, I think that that plays right into um, to Dak Prescott's strengths. We're going to take a quick break here. When we come back on the other side, we'll move to the other side of the ball. We'll ask RJ about the Cowboys defense, including uh, well, I, well, we'll talk some pass rush, but I think I'm more curious to find out about the run defense. And Ryan, I think we are curious to see who from the from the Lions offense is going to make it through this laundry list of an injury report that's been coming out uh, this week. So we'll, we'll take a quick break here. We'll come right back on the Pride of Detroit POD cast, first bite edition, talking Cowboys with RJ Ochoa from Blogging the Boys. Stick with us. Support for this show comes from Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Loom help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. That's why millions of teams around the world, including 75% of the Fortune 500, Trust Atlassian Software for everything from space exploration and green energy to delivering pizzas and podcasts. Whether you're a team of two, 200 or 2 million, or whether your team is around the corner or on another continent altogether, Atlassian Software is built to help keep you all on the same page from start to finish. That way, every one of your teams, from engineering and IT to marketing, HR and legal, can stay connected and move together as one towards shared company-wide goals. 
Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Pride of Detroit P.O. Oh, excuse me. Uh, first Bite. First Bite podcast from Pride of Detroit P.O.D. cast. As I said, substitute teacher hours here. We're here with RJ Ochoa. I don't know why I reset when this is not a radio medium. We don't have a new audience jumping in in the middle, but old habits will never get kicked out of me. But we're going to move to the other side of the ball now. We talked a lot about the Cowboys offense and the versus Lions defense. Now I kind of want to move to the other side. (coughs) And I feel, RJ, I want to put us in a slightly more uncomfortable position because I think It'd be too easy, Ryan, I think, would agree to just jump right in here and say, like, yeah, Micah Parsons is good, and he's just going to uh, slam up against Panay Sewell. We'll, we'll, we'll get to that in a second. I'm more curious about the run defense for for Dallas, especially since I think that's been kind of one of their keys of where they haven't been as pristine on their defense. And for the Lions, again, I, I, I'm... I'm cautious about anything because I see the massive injury report. I don't know if DeAndre Swift will play. I I think the Lions, if they are going to have a chance on offense this game, he has to play. He's been, he's had an ankle and shoulder injury, limited practice, both days in in practice, both days in practice so far. Meanwhile, Frank Rag now on the injury report and quite a few other people on the offensive line, but uh, just, yeah, just fill me in. How is, how has Dallas really fared against, you know, the run here so far this season. I would say, I mean, um, we talked about the Achilles heel um, on my podcast. Um, that's, that's where they are, you know, attackable. I know that's not a word, but um, I mean, that's, that's the only way to kind of get away from Micah Parsons, right. Is just, instead of going outside, just keep everything, you know, between the tackle, so to speak. Um, and, you know, Washington kind of had a lot of success with that in, in the first half. And because they're so well coached, veered away from it in the second uh, for no, you know, understandable reason whatsoever. The Rams, uh, because they're so, you know, wisely coached as well, uh, didn't attack the Cowboys at all uh, on the ground. But the Eagles are obviously one, one of the more run-heavy teams and one of the better teams had it in the NFL. And they leaned into it. And they leaned into Micah Parsons. They were not afraid um, to, to run at him. Obviously, it's a little bit different when, when you have the personnel that they do. But um, it's it's a real thing. I mean, it, it's not like a fluke. It's not something that, that happened one time, one game or whatever. Uh, but um, it, it's a real thing that the Cowboys can be beaten on the ground. And so um, I, I, it's hard to explain why. I mean, because their front four is really impressive. They've been getting home a lot without rushing or without blitzing anybody, I should say. Um, and so it's, it's something that Dan Quinn has is, is kind of been trying to clean up for a few weeks now. All right. We can't ignore it. We'll, we're going to talk about it. Okay. Um, Rip the Band-Aid off. I, I remember going back to, to last Sunday going to Sunday night football, watching the game. And I think it was Chris Collinsworth who said something along the lines of Micah Parsons can play any position on defense, RJ. I think that was something that he mentioned on, on the broadcast. And I want to know, like, how often are they moving that guy around? Like, is it something where 
he's going to be attacking Panay Sewell more often than not, or are they going to be moving him right side, left side, whatever? Like, we're just going to send him from all these different exotic places and, you know, good luck trying to stop him. And I, I think the guy who gets kind of lost in the shuffle is Demarcus Lawrence. Like, I mean, that's another guy who's, he's like a top 10 edge rusher for sure. So I'm so happy you brought up Demarcus Lawrence. He doesn't have the sack numbers that you would like somebody who got a big time contract to have. So you know he's a little bit disrespected in that sense, um, particularly among his own fans. Um, and, and I think that that's been, you know, the Cowboys have had fewer takeaways to this point in the season than they did last year, but they've been far more effective defensively. And, and I would argue that it's, it's kind of primarily because of him, not to discredit Mike or anybody else. But um, if you will recall, Demarcus was injured after the season opener last year and didn't return until December. So the Cowboys defense was as great as it was without him, uh, without Neville Gallimore as well, um, who, who didn't debut until December. Also, they're one of their starting defensive tackles. And so to answer the Micah thing, we've tried. We've tried to identify trends and kind of how he's used, and it's impossible. I mean, and what Chris Collinsworth said is a little bit cheeky, but it is true. I mean, they'll they'll line him up on either side. They'll line him up along the interior. They'll drop him back, obviously, in coverage. They've lined him up at corner before. I mean, like it's that's obviously a lot more rare, um, but but it, it has happened. I mean, they will utilize him in every single way. They will exhaust him, although he never gets exhausted, which is kind of his, his hallmark quality. And I would say the reason, you know, that, that they know he can is actually because of Demarcus Lawrence. The Cowboys' second game last year was against the Chargers, and it was their first one without him. Randy Gregory was missing that game. They, they had no choice but, but to use Mike as kind of a full-time pass rusher, and he was highly successful. And so um, they, they will line him up outside of Tank. They'll line him up inside. I mean, they will send four traditional defensive ends. They'll go defensive tackle this. And, and obviously, Micah's kind of classified one in those moments, and they're they're on a they're it's it's difficult it's you can't put that dude in a box and and he usually has success wherever he's at ryan i want to ask you and maybe you can twist this to a question for rj too like what what are you more worried about going into this game looking at i it's hard for me to figure out the lions offense right now i guess i would have said once upon a time that it was a good strength for the lions but i feel like getting blanked by the new england patriots shows that you do have uh, you, you have you have weak points. You you have exhaust vents where photon torpedoes can go down those things and just be completely eradicated and take it out of the game. And suddenly Jared Goff reverses back to twenty twenty Jared Goff. So what are, are you more worried about the pass rush up fronts from the Cowboys? Are you more worried about just Lions receivers just not getting open? I I think primarily what I'm concerned about is the pass rush for sure because you run into these situations and we've seen it this year. And especially we saw it in the new England game um, after the first couple of weeks, like when Jared Goff was asked to maybe ad lib or to escape pressure or just, you know, show some pocket awareness. He did a, he did a remarkable job. I should say when the bar was set so low from last year. Right. But in the Patriots game, when he was out of structure, when he was flustered, when he was pressured, it was mistake after mistake. And that's the Jared Goff that we kind of, saw in the first half of last season where like the, the the problems are exacerbated by the decisions that he makes after the initial problem happens. So, right. I mean, I'm very concerned about this though. The lions go into Sunday. They want to do what Dan Campbell always wants to do. They want to establish the run. You know, as RJ said, if, if you want to beat Micah Parsons and you want to beat DeMarcus Lawrence, maybe you just attack the middle of that defense and you run the ball, you run the ball, you run the ball. I'm worried at the first sign of that failing or flailing them trying to change course 
And all of a sudden now Jared Goff is being asked to do more than he's capable of. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know how to twist that into a question for RJ um, because I I think largely like this is the primary concern for for the Lions against against Dallas this week is how do you stop the pass rush? I mean that that's why RJ. I mean that's the hallmark of Dallas's defense this year is like they they relentlessly get after the passer and good luck good luck trying to scheme up a way to stop it. Right? I guess I guess. Oh, sorry, RJ, go on. Well, I was the Eagles did scheme up a way to stop it. And, you know, that's that's kind of where I think you're um, you're a little bit concerned if you're a Cowboys fan is that, you know, they prove that there's a way to do it. You, you obviously again have to have somebody with the athleticism and the traits that Jalen Hurts does and obviously the available pass catchers and things like that. Yeah. And, I, I, you know, Jalen Hurts is not Jared Goff, but yes. <laughs> right, right. But yeah. that's uh, so my point is it can be done. Um, you know, obviously anything can be done, but. I mean, we haven't even mentioned a name in, in Trayvon Diggs. I mean, like, that's the thing. Like, you get desperate, you're throwing up YOLO balls. Like, that's where that dude excels. I, I do think the Cowboys secondary is a little bit slept on just relative to the, the entire, like, defense because they're so good. This is the most consistency they've had in, in the back end in a long time. Uh, they're getting better safety play than they've had in a very long time since, I would argue, Roy Williams, the first one, not the one that we won't talk about. Uh, but, um, I mean, it is, um, it's, it's a really strong group all the way through. Um, and, and it's that it, that's why they've, they've built their team around it. But, but yeah, I mean, if you can't survive that pass rush, it's going to be a long day. I think, I think you, you bring up the Eagles and again, another similarity there is just how good the Eagles tackles are. And that's a hallmark for the lions. Obviously this requires Taylor Decker to be healthy and, and playing out there. Although I think he was, he, he, which he was this week. I think people spooked at first on the injury report, but he has welcomed a, uh, a, 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 a child into the world. So he was back at full practice on Thursday. So as long as you're getting Panay Sewell and Taylor Decker, there's at least some similarities there. And I, I, I guess, I guess I'm not as worried about the Yolo ball just because with the exception of some stuff lately, it's usually been high efficiency for Jared Goff. The problem is, is that that high efficiency needs to go past the sticks more often and it's just not getting there. And then, yeah, then you get into a third down where it, the pressure can just get to you. Well, I, I guess I do have a, a quick question for RJ is like if, if the Lions are able to attack the Cowboys through the air, because um, another player who I think is probably having a really good year who's kind of flying under the radar is Malik Hooker. I mean, mm-hmm. like you talk about that back end, you know, you talking about the, the middle of the field and, and things like that. Is there any weakness in the short, intermediate, middle of the field kind of stuff? Because that's where the Lions are going to try to make their bread and butter if, if Amon Ross St. Brown can play, if TJ Hawkinson um, you know, wants to show up this week after being an absolute no-show against the New England Patriots before the bye. Like, it, are they susceptible in, in the short, in the intermediate stuff? Yeah, I mean, I don't want to act like they're invincible, right? Like, you know, or they're perfect or they're infallible. I mean, they, they can certainly be beat, you know, and, and it'll be interesting to see just kind of how they rebound from last week. Um, but I would say the middle of their defense is probably where they are the weakest. Um, I mean, you know, Micah Parsons is, is an exceptional linebacker, but if he's rushing the passer, he's, he's not there. Right. And so the right. Cowboys, um, have Leighton Vanderish and Anthony Barr kind of as, as their primary linebackers when, when rushing Micah Parsons right now. And so, I mean, I, I feel really great about that, but it is the, the largest point of weakness. And, you know, Leighton has had, um, you know, ever since the Cowboys drafted Micah, actually, he's been kind of just a fine, serviceable player for them, was obviously an incredible rookie, uh, and then dropped off, which is, is partly what led to, to the drafting of Micah two, uh, now a year and a half ago. Uh, and Anthony Barr was 
it, it felt like this kind of whatever move throughout camp, but he's come in and been really great for the Cowboys. I'm sure that annoys you both. Um, so I, I would say that that's where, though. I mean, may, maybe it is TJ Hawkinson. I mean, I'll you know do credit to, to Amonra St. Brown, but, I mean, TJ Hawkinson is, you know, at times I think that the most talented pass catcher on the lines, again, not, not trying to take away any sort of credit, but he's very good is my point. And so um, I, if, if you have to trust one thing, I, I certainly, you know, it wouldn't be the worst bet to put all your eggs in that basket. I won't stand for you. I'm going to raw St. Brown slander. As, as a USC <laughs> grad, I will not stand for that. Predictions, Chris? Uh, yes, we should get on to things we think we know here. So I, uh, as always, I'm probably not the best candidate for this game because you know me, Ryan. I put in ties every time Jeremy asks me for a score prediction on Pride of Detroit. So I'll start with you. What, what, do you, what is your big prediction for this game? What do you think you know going into this game? I don't think this is bold. Um, I don't think that this is anything that is a uh, hot take worthy. I don't think that what I'm saying is going to please any Lions fans either. I think that Micah Parsons and Demarcus Lawrence combine for three and a half sacks uh, on Sunday. And that would spell trouble for anything that they want to do on offense, because I, I think I kind of spooked myself into believing the self-fulfilling prophecy of the Lions want to start on the ground and then their defense plays them out of the game and they have to start throwing the ball and Penay Sewell and Taylor Decker are, are two great tackles, but I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm worried. I'm concerned. RJ, we'll go to you. We like to do this. It, it can be just one thing in there or a player or just a tiny thing, a big thing, but what do you, I'm not asking for a full game prediction, but just, what do you think you know is going to happen with this game? So generally, uh, under Mike McCarthy, and I, I recognize it's not a, a, the largest of sample sizes, but uh, but it is year three. Um, you know, the Cowboys kind of respond to, to getting their teeth kicked in a, a little well. Um, and I don't know that anybody feels like that happened last week, but, but you know, some negative energy losing to the Eagles, division rival, national television, whatever. Um, I don't know if either of you recall, they, they were embarrassed by the Denver Broncos a year ago. And that was you know embarrassing because it was Teddy Bridgewater. And, you know, it's kind of like, God, this happened, you know, type stuff. Uh, and the next week, they just had their way with the Atlanta Falcons. I mean, like, it was just up and down. It was pure, total Cowboys bliss. Um, and after the game, it, it was revealed that um, in, a, in a team meeting that week, McCarthy had, had used monkey butt. Um, which is like a, an item uh, I had never heard of it at the time, um, similar to like gold bond or baby powder um, as, as like, a, hey, you, you got your butts kicked last week. Like, here's some monkey butt to like, you know, soften the wound or whatever. Um, and it's it sounds stupid, uh, but I mean, they bought into it um, and and they came out and, and were really successful. I'm sure you remember the year before uh, when he did the watermelon smashing ahead of the game in Minnesota. Um, and they, I don't know if, you, I guess you don't, uh, based on your face. Listen, listen, I, I know, I know people like to call it America's team, but please rest assured America is not hanging on every breath of the weirdo uh, things you guys get well, up to in Dallas. These, these were big, these were big time stories and it is some narcissism on my end to presume that everybody knows everything that happens with the Cowboys. But, uh, so two years ago when the Cowboys beat the Minnesota Vikings, same kind of thing. Afterwards, it was revealed that, um, the night before McCarthy had smashed some watermelons with a mallet like Gallagher. He went full um, Gallagher. Okay. Yeah, and, and right. that, they, that the team just, like, loved it. And it was, you know, a big-time thing, whatever. This is a summer arc from an anime. That, that was um, 2020. 
Um, and then last year, again, after they lost to the Broncos, Google it. I mean, uh, maybe an in incognito mode, maybe just for your own safety, um, like Cowboys, Falcons, monkey, but uh, Tom Pellicero reported and he had like a bottle of it on, on his report. Uh, again, it's similar to baby powder type thing that you would put on, on a little rash or whatever. Um, and it, it worked. <laughs> I mean, so like I, this is kind of that game for them. And again, I'm not saying they're coming out and just going to destroy the Lions, but they generally respond very well. They generally kind of ride the good energy. Um, and with that coming back, they've got, you know, loads of that this week. So um, I, I feel confident that, that it will be a fairly solid Cowboys day. The thing I think I know about this game is that I keep looking at the Detroit Lions and Ryan, I, I keep wondering, is this more going to be like the Seahawks where the offense will show up, but it won't matter because the defense is just pooping the bed nonstop? Or is it going to be like the Patriots game where it's like, hey, it's commendable what the, what the defense is doing. There is some bend, don't break. But uh, guess what? Your offense is completely hamstrung uh, to an alarming degree, and you're just going to get run off the field regardless. And I don't I, I guess if I'm going to lean one way, I do trust that there will probably be some adjustments to the defense. I don't think they're going to be as aggressive, but I think the matchup lends itself better to doing what the Lions like to do in stopping the run and hopefully some growth on the part of, Aid, of Aiden Hutchinson. But I think ultimately because you are up against Micah Parsons is, look, Panay Sewell has handled monsters before. He handled Aaron Donald in his first year. But... This line is clearly got, after that Patriots game, they kind of got the blueprint written on them a little bit. So I think Parsons, and I think the Dallas pass rush, is going to spook Jared Goff a bit. And I think, if you, I, I guess I'm positioning it like this. Who do I trust a little bit more in this game? The Lions defense or the Lions offense? And it might be a bit of a hot take, but I feel that after a bye week, I guess I trust the defense a little bit more up front. I trust the front seven in particular. I trust the Lions defense the same way that I trust my five-year-old when she's I, told that she can't have dessert until she finishes her dinner. <laughs> Listen, I'm, I'm not setting the bar that high either. Like, I mean, I, I'm saying that my, I'm, I'm terrified about the offense in this game. That's how I'm saying all right, that's first yeah. bite. That's first bite. I hate to make this very doomer, but uh, this is not the get. I don't think this is the get right game for the Detroit Lions. But we've been wrong before, and maybe we will jinx it completely. Yeah, we we get, we got to give RJ think, the floor real quick because we need him to yeah. plug his shiz, all of his personal what? stuff, and and all of the stuff that is coming up this weekend before the Lions take on the Cowboys. I will I will thank RJ because I do think I I meant to end it there by saying the Lions are probably going to need some of that monkey butt. But yes, RJ, mm. by all means, plug plug away. We've got plenty to talk about for, for you. Uh, uh, no, I appreciate it. Um, you know, really, I'm such a big fan of you guys and what you all do. And I, I mean that with sincerity. Um, I say that to everybody, but it's a lie to most. Um, it's, it's authentic <laughs> and real um, here. Um, and so um, blogontheboys.com, obviously, all of our articles, you could search for Blog on the Boys any place you get any kind of Pride of Detroit content, whether that's podcasts. Uh, we're not uh, on Twitch. We're not um, super cool. So that would be the one exclusion. Uh, but we are um, pretty prominent on YouTube, we, you know, podcast network, social media. Um, I'm on Twitter at RGO Cho. That's kind of a hub for everything I do. Um, so, uh, yeah, go Astros. You get to, you get to do the uh, very fun thing where you basically get to rip the uh – the dodgeball, the dodgeball thing. You get to call your podcast the Ocho and everything. Well, it's a play on my last name. Um, no, you know that's what I mean. What I mean? So, yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, 
you know, it works out from SEO standpoint that that ESPN like does the thing every year. Like keep putting that into into Google's algorithm, and I'll uh, I'll ride that wave every every time. Oh, absolutely. So. It's just like how we call this the POD cast, which I thought was a problem, and then you've telling me how jealous you are that we get to call it the POD cast. Yeah. So I mean, and, you know, whatever. Low hanging fruit for you guys, but you know, it's low hanging for a reason. It's it's right. we're we, it's not the podcast for POD fans for uh, but the band. As long I bet as that, that happens. As long as that fruit that's hanging apparently isn't a watermelon. That's right. Um, <laughs> seriously, check it out. Like Google either one of those stories, and I think you'll be surprised. I will not. But uh, RJ, thank you. This has been a pleasure. It's been very fun. We got up to a lot of hijinks. Uh, we just have to censor a couple things about references to one particular year. We will let you go with that for myself, Ryan. Ryan, do you have anything else to add before we get out of here? Um... Do I, do I make you do the log off? Because I, I'm not Jeremy. Uh, everybody root for the Saints plus ten and a half. I won't end it like that for, for Jeremy's sake. So uh, okay. we'll see you star side. Okay.